Let's all turn to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, 2 Corinthians 6, and then also we'll be looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 6, Ephesians 3. In 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and verse 11, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 He said, uh, O Corinthians, our mouth is open to you, and our heart is enlarged. That word enlarged means expanded. He said, verse 12, You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. Now, bowels is an old English, a King James translation, and when we hear bowels, that doesn't sound very nice to us. <laughs> but uh, there are numerous scriptures in the New Testament. One verse talks about the bowels of Christ. And uh, it's a good term. It means your inwards. And it means, it has the idea of that which is soft and tender. Tender heartedness. And as he's mentioning here, openness instead of closedness. Straighten means to be hemmed in, to be restricted. He said, you're not restricted in us, but you are restricted in your own insides, in your own heart. Verse 13, now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Be enlarged. The Spirit of God is speaking through Paul here, and he's speaking to the people. How many believe if he told them to be enlarged, they must be able to respond to this charge and open up? And I believe this is the word of the Lord to us this week. Be ye enlarged. Would you receive this word? And if he tells us to be enlarged, obviously we can be. We can be. Let me read this to you from the uh, Weiss translation. He says, Our mouth stands open to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is broadened and enlarged. You are not compressed or narrowed down in us. He said, You are compressed and narrowed down in your affections. He summed it up by saying, Be enlarged. Make a large place in your heart. The message is interesting along this line. The message translation. Verse 11. Dear, dear Corinthians. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Verse 13, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection, open up your lives. Really, he used the word bowels and heart. Open up your heart. Open up your insides. Live openly and expansively. I don't want to live a little narrow, tight, tiny life. Do you? How many want to live expansively? Do we have a big God? Does he have a big plan? 
Yes. And as we are embracing it and walking in it, it will cause us to expand and to enlarge on the inside. In uh, Ephesians, if you'd turn there, please. Ephesians 3 and 16. He's praying that the Father would grant you, he says, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Now, so many times people are thinking about their financial needs and their material needs. And the scripture says he supplies all our need according to what? Same term is right here. His riches in glory. But like 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish, I desire that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The prosperity and the health is directly connected to you prospering on the inside. So instead of chasing money, chasing things, chasing stuff out here, the enlargement begins in here. And once it happens in here, the outside follows. Notice, keep reading. He's praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Now that word comprehend means to lay hold of so as to possess as one's own. That you may be able to lay hold of, and this is available to all saints, that you may be able to lay hold of what? The breadth and length and depth and height, verse 19, and to know, that word means experience, among other things, The love of Christ which passes knowledge. Can you experience things that are too much for you to understand in your head? Can you comprehend? Can you lay hold of and embrace things that are beyond your comprehension mentally? Why? Because you are so much bigger in your spirit than you are in your head. To know, to experience the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Say it out loud. Filled with all the fullness of God. Let's say it out loud together. Filled with all the fullness of God. That's our series title y'all were asking about. Filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with some of God. Filled with a bunch of God. A great big chunk of God. (laughs) See, that's why he said it passes knowledge. How can this be? How big is God? He's bigger than the Pacific Ocean. He's bigger than the Rocky Mountains. He's bigger than North America. He's bigger than our solar system. And we don't really have a clue how big that is. I mean, we say it, but we ain't got a clue. But you talk about traveling at the speed of light for a thousand years, and you hadn't hardly got started yet? They were talking a while back with some new telescopes and new 
lenses and new computer abilities. There was an area of space that had not been looked at that much. It was assumed it was a black hole, that there was nothing in that part. And so they trained their new and improved telescope on it and left the lens open long enough. And oh dear me, they saw solar systems all over the place. We, we don't have a clue what's out there. And the one who made it is bigger than that because if he wasn't bigger than that, it couldn't have come out of him. The further I go, the more I begin to grasp just a little bit. I, I, Phyllis has been hearing me for months now. Just once in a while I'll say, God is big. He is so big. He's, oh. And you try to talk in tongues and you don't say it. And he's, how big is he? He's big. All capital letters. Blowed up a million times. He's big. Big. God is big. Do you believe God is big? He's bigger than the sun. He's bigger than space. He's bigger. How big is that? How big is that? Now here's something even more amazing. Read the verse. That you could be filled with all the fullness of God. That tells you and I something about us. When you're born again, your spirit was not healed. Your spirit was recreated. And all the old things passed away and all things. I'm going to say all things. This is all the things pertaining to your spirit became new. Why? Because the old man could not even stand in the presence of God, much less begin to receive all the fullness of God. But having been born again in his likeness and in his image, and having become a son of the Most High God, we're made out of the same substance, spirit substance as our Father God, and we have the ability to expand on the inside to the point of receiving his fullness. It passes knowledge, but it's still true. I want you to read that last phrase again. What did he say? That you might what? Be filled with what? All the fullness of God. Read verse 20 now. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. That's beyond knowledge. But it's not independent of us. It's not just that God is able to do above what we ask or think. He's able to do it. What? According to this power that is working in What power is working in us? Back up to verse 17. Verse 16, excuse me. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be what? Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That is power that enables you, makes you strong and able to comprehend the height, breadth, length, depth, and receive the fullness of God. Now you just have to receive that by faith. And believe that if it's in the Bible it's true. And believe what the Lord tells you. 
If he says you can receive it, you can receive it. But can you see, it's going to take some expansion. (laughs) Isn't it? You and I are going to have to expand, expand. And we're not just talking about expand for the next 45 minutes. We're talking about expand this year and next year and 10 years from now and beyond this life. Just keep on expanding, 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 receiving more and more of the entire fullness of God. Said another time, filled with all the fullness of God. How much? All the fullness of God. Thank you, Master. That word filled means crammed. (laughs) You put all of God in you, you are full, my brother. (laughs) Crammed. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of folks that just scoff at the very idea. But I didn't write that. You didn't write that. And it's true. And I'm just going to decide to believe it. And believe the Lord to help me beginning right now. Quit being a little narrow, tight, restricted, living in my own little world. What somebody did to me, didn't do to me. My toe hurts. I need to pay my light bill. I am born of God. And I'm put here for a purpose. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission in this earth. I'm doing a tour of duty down here right now. And I must not restrict the Lord working in me through my small thinking and narrow heart. Everybody sit out loud. Father God, God, I am willing willing for you to expand me. Open me up. up. Enlarge Enlarge my heart. heart. Help me me to yield to you you. and increase and and expand expand. large inside. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Master. Go with me to Genesis, please. The book of Genesis and the uh, 15th chapter, Genesis 15. I want us to look at some of the, well, couple of the uh, patriarchs and what God did in them in this process, because he's always been doing this with human beings from the beginning. He has to. Before he can do what he wants to do through their life, he has to get it in them, to get it through them. And to get it in them, they have to be opened up. And the Lord said this to me, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, I don't know, 25 years ago, I was studying something and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, did you notice what kind of people I chose? Talking about the seed of Abraham, Israel. Did you notice what kind of people? I thought, hmm, 
What does that mean? Uh, what kind of people? And he spoke this to my heart. I wrote it down. He said they were expressive souls. <laughs> expressive souls. I meditated on that for months. I thought expressive souls. And I began to study it and I thought, uh-huh. If they got mad, they ripped their clothes off, they threw dirt on their head, they strapped on their swords, and somebody died. <laughs> and if they were glad, oh, buddy, kill a fatted calf, the wine flowed, you could hear music and dancing and shouting in the distance. Party. And some way or another, through the centuries, so much religious tradition has gotten in until people have a misconception of God. They think he's stuffy. They think God is stuffy. People got a picture of God on the throne. Long white beard. Old. Old. Older than dirt. He's old. And a real stern countenance. It's not really happy. It's not really sad. He's just. But that is not true. I said that is not true. Have you read the scriptures? The Bible said God gets happy. God gets angry. God can be grieved. He's expressive. He sings. He sings for joy. How many like to have a, a CD of God's <laughs> favorites? It's one of the things I'm looking forward to. About No joke about heaven. I believe one day we're going to come out and somebody says, shh, shh, the Father's going to sing. The Father's going to sing. Reckon he can hit some notes. Notes you never heard in this earth. But he is not stiff, stuffy, colorless, no personality. No. And people becoming religious and so staid and restricted has nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with Jesus. People say, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, that's not the way I was brought up you know, I'm not comfortable with all that shouting and carrying on. Is all that really necessary? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, is the word you're looking for in bondage? Because <laughs> I want you to know. You get full of the Holy Spirit. You will not sit there and move your little finger. You will get up. You'll open up your hands. You'll open up your mouth. On the day of Pentecost, they did not come out of the upper room single file. We have an announcement. Everybody that saw him said, look at that drunk bunch. How did they get this drunk this early in the morning? 
got to drink all night to get that drunk. People don't accuse you of being drunk because you're all straight and straight and soft-spoken. There must have been some hollering. There must have been some waving some arms, swaying around, huh? singing and talking in tongues, telling the glory of God. He said, well, I, I just don't go in for all that. We're talking about the Bible. You don't go in for the Bible? See, that's how far away from the reality of God much of the church has gotten. Yeah, yeah, that's good. They think their rigidness is godly. And it's got nothing to do with God. Ever heard Brother Jesse Duplantis tell about his experience in going to heaven? So many interesting things about it. One of them that just stuck with me. He said, choir, he was at the throne. And he said, the choir came up. And he said, they filed up so nice and orderly. And they turned around. And when they started to sing, all that was out the window. He said, man, they are moving. And they are singing. And they, he said, man, it was, whew, it was Pentecostal. And, and he said, then Jesus came to speak. And he had always thought of Jesus, you know, teaching. He said, ah, he preached. He said, man, he hit that area there. And he said, I'm going and get your mamas and get your daddies and get your brothers and get your children. And I'm bringing them here to be with us. He said, that place went wild. (laughs) What do they preach about in heaven? (laughs) Sounds right to me. They're going to come get us. Wouldn't that make your relatives happy there? That Jesus said, I'm going to go get them. I'm about to go get them. We don't want to put on a bunch of emotional stuff that's not real. It's the fakeness that's wrong. The phoniness. That's what you want to get rid of. But friend, when the Holy Spirit's moving on you. I said, when the Holy Spirit's moving on you. And you, and you just feel like lifting your hands and going glory to God. Do not suppress that. Do not choke in and go, well. <laughs> and if he moves you deep inside and it just comes up in you and tears want to come to your eyes. Don't fight that. Don't suppress that. That's real. That's real. Yield to him. Yield to him. Let him, let him flow down your cheek. He said, did you notice what kind of people I chose? Expressive souls. Ain't got nothing to do with being young or old or black or white or nothing. Just be free. Just be free. Be free. Somebody say, be free. Be free. Be free. And it's not just what you do in service. The Spirit of God will move on you and prompt you. Go over and tell them how good they look. Go over and tell them you love them. Go over and tell them how impressed you are with what God's doing in their life. Just look at them and say, well, they know my heart. Can you see so much of the church is choked, choked, choked 
by believing lies and stuff that's got nothing to do with God. Let's live today so we have no regrets tomorrow. Let's yield to the Holy Spirit. Let's go where he tells us to go and let's tell what he tells us to tell. And let's do it without reservation, without inhibition, without fear. Come on, just step up, step out, say it, smile, be free. When it's time to shout, shout. When it's time to sing, Well, I'm not a singer, but I didn't say record. Sing. 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 Everybody can sing. Everybody. Don't you tell me you can't sing. Everybody can sing. And if you hadn't noticed it, if you're saying something by inspiration and the Lord prompts you and you lift your voice to sing, it comes up a notch. You can come up another place by singing in faith, singing in the spirit. What are we talking about? Opening up. Enlarging. So you can receive the fullness of God. Genesis 15. Did you find it? Whoo. (laughs) I feel good. Glory to God. I think James Brown probably got that from a Christian. He probably got that from a Christian somewhere. Because God invented feeling good. Didn't he? You can go on and say it. It won't hurt you to say I feel good. <laughs> now you need to smile when you say it. Smile. <laughs> Come on, let's try it again. I feel good. Yeah. What if you believe it and say it? Huh? Let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the sourpuss say, <laughs> I feel good. (laughs) Glory to God. Tender hearted. Open hearted. Big hearted. Big hearted. Largeness of heart. Man, I can sense opening up. Can you? I can sense people opening up. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. I believe uh, a number of people here and watching by the internet that you'll be in situations and places in the next days and, and weeks to come and, and people will just turn and look at you and go, or look at them and you, and they go, you're different. You've changed. What's, what is it about you? <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> I, I'm... <laughs> I'm happy in Jesus. I'm I'm full of God. 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 God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. We're not talking about a mental feeling. We're not talking about a physical feeling. We're talking about spiritual. Inside. Full of God. Full of the Spirit. Full of love. Joy. Peace. 
And the thing that changed is I've enlarged to where I'm carrying more of it. I got more of him in me than before. And I never have to shrink down. I never have to shrink back. I can just keep. Oh, hallelujah. I can, I can just keep on. The rest of my life. And it just keep on going after this life. As big as God is. I can just keep on taking more. Whew. Well, sit down if you can. Hey. hey. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Genesis 15, did you find it? <laughs> Verse 1. <laughs> Said, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. What's the first thing he told him? Fear not. What we, we mentioned two of the key indicators of a narrow heart. Fearfulness. Selfishness. It'll choke you up where you can't receive from God. He said, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your force field. I'm in front of you. I'm up under you. I'm over you. And I'm bringing up the rear guard. I got you covered. You're in good hands. And. And. I am your exceeding. Great. Reward. Is this big? Is this big? Is God talking about something big. When God said it's big. It's big. But when he says it's exceeding. We're talking about somebody who creates solar systems. And when he says this is over the top. This. This is exceeding. Then we know right away our little minds can't grasp that. But by faith we can say I believe it. It's big. I just receive that by faith. It's exceeding. Exceeding great. Not just great. Exceeding great reward. But I want you to listen to Abram's response. Verse 2. Abram said Lord God. What you going to give me. Sin, I don't have any children. And then the steward, this Eliezer of Damascus, verse 3, you haven't given me any seed. And one that's born in my house, one of my servants, he's going to inherit everything I got here just a little bit when I die and leave. God says, I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. And he said, I don't have, and you haven't done. And we can't do. <laughs> what, what's wrong with Abraham? Anybody know? Do you see these two characteristics? Fear. I'm getting old. About to die. Got nobody to inherit everything God's done for me. And me and me and me and what I feel and what I don't have and what I need. What you hadn't done. So what's got to happen? 
Because this man just happens to be the father of faith and the covenant friend of the Most High God through whom the Messiah is coming. We got to have some opening up. Right? We, something's got to happen to Father Abraham. Because <laughs> at this point, he ain't got many sons. And he ain't got vision. And he hasn't capacity. See, the Lord cannot do things through you. You can't receive things from him without a capacity to receive it. A heart for it. A heart that will receive it. And I know he's not meaning to be restrictive to the Most High. He just caught up in his own thinking, in his own little world. I want you to see what God did for him. Keep reading. Next verse. The word of the Lord came to him saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth, where we heard this before, out of your own bowels, the answer is coming out of your insides. You're not restricted. Somebody else out here. I know you don't see any way. It looks like it's too late and there's no way and there's no how. But it's going to come through your insides. It's going to come through your insides. And verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad. He took him out of the house. He took him out of the tent. Come on, are y'all listening to me or not? He took him outside. Somebody say outside. We need to go outside. Uh, the Holy Ghost is taking us outside. He brought him forth abroad and he said, look now toward heaven. And tell the stars if you be able to number them. And he said, so shall your seed be. Now I want you to get a picture. Abraham standing out here. He's outside. He's outside the tent. Come on. are you? He's looking up into the sky. He's thinking, this is an amazingly clear night. Don't you know God had him a clear night? Right? So he could try. At least try. And the stars are so. God might have turned the light up a little bit on the star. I mean, because he, he is thinking, this is one of the most beautiful nights I've ever seen. Count the stars. God, I can't count the stars. It's it's not a thousand. It's not a million. It's not a billion. It's not a trillion. And while he's looking at this in amazement, God says, so shall your seed be. Just like these stars. I want you to know something is happening in the man. Come on. Something is happening in Abraham. His insides are opening up. To embrace the scope of the heavens. And all he could say a few hours ago was, I ain't got nobody. (laughs) Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that these great heroes of faith had to have some work done on them too. (laughs) So God could get them to the place where he got them. Do what he did through them. Next verse, what does it say? Huh? And what? Come on, do you picture him standing up, looking up in the sky. And that word of the Lord came to him and said, so shall your seed be. 
something happened in him. He's seeing the night sky, but all at once inside him it went into infinity. His insides opened up. And it didn't say he just said, oh, that'd be great, God. <laughs> and something just, no, uh, uh, no. He believed in the, he, he conceived it. He comprehended it. He laid hold of it and made it his own. God had to open him up like space to embrace this. Without a supercomputer or NASA or anything else. He just believed it. Stood right there. Flat footed and believed it. He said God I believe you. Just like you said. Be it unto me. My seed shall be. Here he's old. Sarah's old. Couldn't conceive when she was young. And here he's standing out there and looking at the night sky going, it shall be according to your word. Just like you said, that's what's going to happen. He believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. God said, that's right. That's exactly what I needed out of you, buddy. We're where we need to be now. Now we can go somewhere. Now we can do something. In a few months, here came Isaac. Well, longer than that, but Isaac came. <laughs> Excuse me. Quite a quite a while ago. But Isaac came, and then his descendants, all the tribes, the descend all the way down to the master. Hallelujah. And you know who you are? You are the seed of Abraham. You know. How many of us there are? There's millions of us already in heaven. And there's millions of us on the planet. And we are multiplying. Scaring the devil how we're multiplying. We are popping like popcorn. We are people being born again all over this planet. And when it's all done and people say, how many of y'all are there? Like the stars in the sky. And centuries and centuries ago, God opened up a man's insides to where he could believe that. And we are his children. We have the same capacity and we operate the same faith. Can you say amen? Look in Numbers, the 13th chapter. Reminds you of a, an account that didn't go so good. Numbers 13, you know the story. God delivered the seed of Abraham out of uh, Egyptian bondage through a mighty hand, signs and wonders, and brought them through the Red Sea. They're at the, the gate of the promised land. They're at the border It's time to go in. It's time to possess your possessions. It's time for the promise to come to pass. And you know the story. After spying out the land, everybody except Caleb and Joshua were completely disheartened. 
and came and brought an evil report, the Bible says, and discouraged their brethren by telling them, yeah, it's, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, but giants, walled cities, we can't do it. We can't do it. Verse 31, the men that went, went up with them, Numbers 13, 31, they said what? We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And you know, Caleb and Joshua, they, they preached at them and they said, hey, God's brought us this far and he's departed from them. Their defense is gone and God is with us and he will give them into our hand. They're bread for us. We can do this thing. Come on, let's do it. And man, they wanted to kill them, made them so mad. They picked up stones to stone them for saying that. They're at the door of what they've been dreaming of. And it's time to come on in. And they cannot see it. They sat in their tents and cried all night long. Miserable. And they said, they're giants. And we're grasshoppers. When they see us, they just see bugs. They will step on us. And we will all die out here. But it was a lie. I said it was a lie. Have you read the accounts? When they finally got into the land after the 40 years and the other generation under Joshua, the Bible, when they found out that the Canaanites told them they were scared of them. They said their hearts melted when they heard they were coming because they had heard about God splitting the Red Sea and all that. They were scared, spitless, waiting to be conquered, waiting to hand over their weapons. But the devil will never tell you that. He will never tell you that. God had a picture of them coming in, rolling over those walls, defeating every enemy, possessing the whole thing, north, south, east, and west, and living in milk and honey. Palm trees, Springs of living water, orchards, vineyards. We talk about some serious grapes, aren't we? When you got to tote one bunch between two men. He talked about all the minerals that you could, all the all the stuff you, the gold, the silver, the copper, the iron. He said, "It's." He said, "I have scoped it out for you. I picked it out, and it's nice." But they would not let him get the vision. Of them being conquerors and possessors and rich and healed and prosperous and free. He had got them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. Wasn't it? We're just grasshoppers. We're just bugs. This is why people fight us about healing. That's why they fight us about prosperity. They can't see it. They can't imagine that God is that good and he's that big that, and that they're that important to him that he would do all this kind of stuff that they hear us talking about. It just boggles them and, and they're choked on it. But friend, you are the apple of his eye. 
You are the choice, purchased possession of him. You are made to rule and reign. Healing belongs to you. Prosperity belongs to you. Plenty. Ability. Influence. Belongs to you. Now I don't know that you heard me say that. What are we talking about? We're talking about the scope. Of your influence. Being enlarged. Hmm? We're talking about. Possessing the land. Giving you the heathen for your inheritance. Come on now. Not sitting back going, well, we're just little bugs. We can't do that. We can't, we can't do that. No, you can. Yes, you can. God in you can and will. You got to let him open you up. Let him show you having ability, having money, having stuff, having open doors. Come on, are you listening to me? Having a voice. No, you didn't hear that. I said having a voice, a voice, a voice, a voice that is heard all through the community, a voice that is heard all through the state, a voice that is heard all through the region, a voice that is heard across the country, a voice that's heard into other countries, a voice, influence, somebody say influence, influence, influence. Influence. But it'll never happen out here until it first happens in here. If all you can see is little and well, we're just and we're only and grasshopper. Bug mentality. Somebody needs to say it. I am not a bug. <laughs> I am not a bug. And it's a lie. All this stuff about, oh, they just look down on you, you little peon, you little nothing, you little ignorant, broke preacher, you little this, you little that. No, truth is, they're scared of you. God's already been preparing the way before you. He's already been shaking the trees and moving things. He's got it ready for you. It may not look like it. But he does. And they would never tell you that. They will never tell you that. But you need to say it again. I am not a bug. I am not. I'm not a bug. I'm a believer. We are men and women of God. We are children of the Most High. We got the greater one. The greater one. The greater one on the inside of us. God did not give us the revelation he's given us. He has not given us the understanding of being redeemed. How to be healed and faith and prosperity and how to be led and all these things. So we could share it with four other people. In uh, Mark 16, notice this. Put it up on the screen for us. Mark 16. Uh, mm-mm. Some opening up going on. Opening up going on. Look at 14. Jesus appeared. He's raised from the dead to the 11. As they're sitting eating. And what did he do? What did he do? 
upbraided them. He's correcting them. He's reproving them. Upbraided them. Why? With their unbelief. And their hardness of heart. Now this is exactly the language used. Describing the Israelites. That did not go into the promised land. They were hard hearted, unbelieving, stiff necked. And this is describing the narrow, inflexible heart. Here's something that the Lord showed me uh, this year that I had not seen as clearly before. I knew this already. You, you see in the New Testament two different kinds of unbelief described. Paul said, I had mercy because I did what I did ignorantly in unbelief. There's an unbelief because of ignorance. But then in describing Hebrews 3 and, and 4, describing the Israelites' unbelief, it describes an unpersuadableness. You can't say they were ignorant of God and what he could and would do. They have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle in the land of Egypt. Haven't they? They've seen the Red Sea split. Man, they've seen manna out of the sky. You can't say they didn't know God was real and what he could do. Their problem was unpersuadableness. And that's why it's called an evil heart of unbelief. And I had not seen this as clearly before. When the Lord says, fear not, be of good courage and believe. And you, especially people like us that have seen God do all manner of things, you continue to be afraid and doubt. It's not just unbelief. It's rebellion. Do you see this? It's not just unbelief. It's rebellion. And you see that word used repeatedly. said they rebelled against the Lord. And it's, it's, it's evidenced in the fear. See, so many times when we, we think about somebody in fear, we think they need a hug. <laughs> and if they're ignorant and a baby, maybe so. But people like most of us in here tonight, the Lord tells you to quit fearing, quit doubting him, believe what he said, let him open you up. If he tells you he's going to do this with you and you don't see any way, you don't see any, how in the world could it be? Remember your father in the faith. Stand up, look up in the night sky. So we're going outside. We're going outside. We're going out of a little bitty narrow mentality. We're going out of our little fishbowl vision. Come on, somebody say, I'm going outside. I'm going, we're going outside. And look up in the vastness of the creation of God. And whatever he tells you, just dare to believe it. And believe he can do it with me. He can do it with me. Because I'm not a bug. Somebody say he can. Do it. With me. He can. Notice what happened. He upbraided them. For their unbelief. And their hardness of heart. Because they believed not them. Which had seen him after he was risen. He told them for three years. This was going to happen. And they knew the people that came back and told him that they they knew they weren't liars. And they still wouldn't believe it. But notice, he reproved them. Why would he do this? It's not, he's not just getting on their case. 
He's got to get this changed because of what's coming next. This fearfulness, this hardness of heart will not let in the plan of God. What's the very next verse? Come on, you know the next verse. What's the next verse? What? Open heart, open ministry. Come on now. Open heart, open doors. Open heart. Why did he say? He's upbraiding them. This is strong language. For their unbelief and their hardness. Why? Because there's no way they're going into all the world with a heart in this condition. It's got to be opened up. Go with me if you would to uh, 1 Chronicles 17. I want you to see how God did this in David. King David. Who is described by the Lord as a man after my own heart. The, uh, in the Psalms we, we looked at last night, I believe it was. He said, thy gentleness has made me great. And this was true in the psalmist's life. Who said this and sang this. Your gentleness has made me great. Uh, one scripture in the New Testament says, we beseech you by the gentleness of Christ. Did you know God, as great as he is, is just as gentle as he is great? And you see, I mean, he could scare us all without trying. <laughs> he didn't want to do that. He's not interested in that. And this has to do with who can handle the greater measure. Because you don't want a bully with a bazooka. You leave him with the pop gun. Because <laughs> he, you know, he's not gentle. Somebody with enormous strength and ability must have the temperament to handle it properly. God is the perfection of both, isn't he? He has unlimited power. And it's obvious he has the temperament to handle it because the world's still here. (laughs) He is capable of being angry, very, very angry, and doing nothing for millennia. His patience is just, how do you describe it? He's so amazing. His power, you do understand, God could put his face in the night sky and go, hey! (laughs) And everybody on the planet would have their nose pasted in the ground going, oh, the Lord, he is God. Please don't say it again. There would be no atheists, none, no agnostics, not a one, none. He could do it in a moment. Someone says, why don't he? He doesn't want to. He specifically doesn't do it. Do you want to be able to handle greater? It will be tied to your increased gentleness. 
or your love. Great-heartedness is tied to tender-heartedness. They're tied because that is great in God. God is not just power. He's not just force. He has more power than anything or anybody, but he never said, I am power. Of all the things he could have said, I am knowledge. I am wisdom. I No, what did he say? I am. What I am, I have all this. But what I am is love. And the psalmist said, his gentleness has made me great. The greatness of God has resulted from his gentleness. Let me remind you of a couple of instances. David has run for his life. In the early part of his life, you remember Saul was after him trying to kill him. And he's got all these resources and, and David's got this bunch of malcontents that's hooked up with him. They're running around, barely escaping their, with their life. And this didn't go on for a week or two. This went on for months and years. And you remember, he had an opportunity, happened to be in the cave where Saul just came in. And he went and cut off his, uh, the skirt of his garment. Remember that? And the guys that were with him said, kill him, kill him. We're tired of running. Kill him. I'll kill him. Just look, look the other way. <laughs> one guy said, one stroke. Just give me one stroke. Yeah. He said, no, no, no. You don't touch the Lord's anointed. What am I talking about? Gentleness. Tender heart. Tender to the things of God. Here is a cussing, spear-throwing madman. And he's calling him the anointed of the Lord. Because he was chosen by the Lord. And the Lord's anointing had been on him. And even at that. After he cut that skirt off. Remember what the Bible said. His heart smote him. You remember that? He regretted it. He thought I I shouldn't have done that. Here's a man trying to kill him. Making his life miserable. Not just for a few days. You think somebody bothered you by talking bad about you. (laughs) What if they sick Delta forces after you. (laughs) For years. And you have to believe God. And have miracles every other day. Just to keep breathing. And you have the opportunity to go pow. And it's over with. I don't think you'd have any problem. Cutting his little shirt. (laughs) But that's why. You wouldn't be David. You wouldn't be a man after God's own heart. Happened more than once. Even when he was king later, he uh, had Joab number the people. And the Bible said, as soon as they ran in the tally up, said his heart smote him. He thought, God, why did I do that? You, you didn't tell me to do that. Everybody say tender. tender. This is the king. He, you talking about a manly man? He went hand to hand. With lions and bears and giants. And God gave him amazing power and victories and, and, and victory for the whole kingdom. Can you see his heart though? I mean, if he, when he sees he's missed God, man, his heart is smitten. He just he goes, oh God, I, forgive me. How many understand that does not make you a wimp? It's only the strongest of the strong. That are really this way. People who are always trying to put on a strong front. They're insecure. 
overcompensating, trying to cover their insecurity. Friend, I don't care who's around. I don't care what's going on. Your heart's touched. You know you've grieved the Lord. It's not time to play big shot or play tough, is it? It's time to humble yourself. Humble yourself. And if you need to, speak up and go, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. And I, oh God, forgive me. Y'all please forgive me. What are we talking about? We're talking about a heart that can expand. This is the kind of heart that can do that. And notice how it happened with David. It's one of the one of my favorite passages. I have so many, but one of my favorite in the Bible. David is king. Are you there in First Chronicles 17? He's he's in his palace. God's given him victory. He's a famous king and man. You might say he's got everything going for him at this point. And he tells the prophet, he said, look, I'm living in a cedar house, finery, and the ark is out there in a tent. That's not right. And the man of God said, do what's in your heart. What is in his heart? To build a fabulous house of the Lord. But I want you to read what the Lord told him. He said, do all that's in your heart. Verse 3. It came to pass the same night the word of God came to Nathan. And he said, go tell David my servant. Thus says the Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. Now a few chapters later, he, the Lord brought it out that it was good that he had it in his heart. It pleased the Lord. Verse 5. He said, I hadn't dwelt in a house since the day I brought up Israel to this day. But I've gone from tent to tent, from tabernacle to another. We're going to read several verses here. Wherever I've walked with all Israel, spoke I a word to any whom I commanded and said, Why have you not built me a house of cedars? He said, I hadn't said anything about a house. But now say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, mud between your toes, chasing smelly sheep, that you should be ruler over my people Israel. Verse 8, I've been with you wherever you have walked. I cut off all your enemies from before you. I've made you a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. Did he do it? He did it. Also, I will ordain a place for my people Israel and will plant them and they shall dwell in their place and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them anymore as at the beginning. They'll have their own place. Let me just stop right here. How did this start off? By David thinking about what he needed and wanted? How did it start off? He's thinking about he wanted to do something great for the house of the Lord. Didn't he? This touches the heart of God. He hears night and day all over the planet. God, I need help. I need money. I need this. Could you just, could you help me? He hears it all the time and he cares and he's touched. But when he can hear, God, I love you and you've done everything for me and I want to do something for you. I want to do something really for you. I want to do something big for you. I want to do something wonderful for you. I want us to put out the stops. I want us to spend all the money. I want us to move heaven and earth. 
I want us to do what you want to do. Oh, the heart of God starts flowing to you. Keep reading. He said, since the time I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. Moreover, I will subdue all your enemies. And furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. Now, I I know from what little I know about God and from what follows in this passage, the man of God is saying this to David. Maybe in his throne room. I don't know. But I know this from just what little I... David is going, This is the honor of God. This has to do with the inside of God. Keep reading. Keep reading this. He said, and he said, I'm going to build you a house. I know you want to build me a house. (laughs) You know what this sounds like? A father. The strongest, wisest, richest, greatest daddy in the world. And all his kids is always wanting money and they wanting this and they wanting that and they won't listen and they do that and they do the other. But one of his kids shows up and goes, Daddy, I want to do something for you. I want to do something for you. Everything I am, everything I've got. What do you want, Daddy? Oh. Any parents in the house? Come on, any parents in the house? Huh? What does that do to you? Reaches down in your insides. Yes. Doesn't it? Reaches down inside you. Yes. And what do you want to do then? You want to go. You want to do something for daddy. Oh baby. Okay. All right. But daddy's going to do something for you. Whoo. Remember what we talked about earlier about not resisting the Holy Spirit. Keep reading. He said, and it'll come to pass when your days are expired that you must go to be with your fathers. I'll raise up your seed after you. Of your sons, I will establish his kingdom after you're gone. Keep reading verse 12. And he will build me that house that you want to build. And I will establish his throne forever. I'll be his father and he'll be my son. Now, you know, it blesses you when somebody does something for you. But when they start talking about doing something for your babies. And I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before you. See, he saw what happened to Saul. And I'm sure that was in his mind. Oh, he hoped that never happened to his. And God's telling him, no, that's not going to happen. I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forevermore. This is the Almighty using the words forever. Verse 15. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Now this is God speaking. But David heard Nathan's voice. This came through a man. But he didn't see a man. He heard the Almighty. That's all he heard. Notice what happened next. And David the king came. I think all the royal schedule was canceled. Everybody out in the lobby was sent home. Come on, are you with me? 
Somebody said, where are you going? I'm going to the house of the Lord. Hold all my calls. Cancel everything. He went right in and sat down before, just sat down in the floor. I think his heart's just overflowing. I think tears of joy are coming down his cheeks. He said, who am I? Lord God, what is my house that you have brought me to this place? What kind of person rises to greatness status in God, in the kingdom of God? What kind of person can be opened up, enlarged to receive the full scope of the vision of God? He said, your gentleness has made me great. Verse 17, he said, and yet this was a small thing in your eyes that you took me, that rough little freckle-faced boy from following the sheep, and took me all the way through all those dangers and snares and, and crazy Saul, and, and you put me on the throne. And every one of our enemies you have conquered. And we are totally victorious. How many remember reading the scripture says, everywhere David went, the Lord gave him victory. Remember reading that? Everywhere, everywhere he went. The Lord was with him and gave him victory. He said, but you've also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. And you have regarded me according to the state of a man of high degree. Lord, you're talking, uh, you, you said you've made my name great. Verse 18. What can David speak more to you for the honor of your servant? For you know your servant. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to put yourself there with him sitting on the floor. Do you serve the same God? Does he love you the same way? Has he got great plans for you too? Do you have a heart like this? To humble yourself before him? To acknowledge? He didn't know me any of this. I didn't deserve any of this. Oh God, who am I? Who's my people that you've let me labor in your ministry? You, you've let me minister under your anointing. You've, you've unveiled your precious life giving word to me. You've let it come out of my lips. You've, you've let your anointing flow through my hands. You've touched your people's hearts to pray for us and help us. You, you, you've trusted us with your people's money and stuff. Oh God, thank you. Somebody say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Verse 19. Oh Lord, for your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you've done all this greatness and making known all these great things. Keep reading. Lord, is there, there's none like you. There's no God besides you according to all that we've heard with our ears. What one nation in the earth like your people Israel whom God went to redeem to be his own people to make you a name of greatness and terribleness but driving out all these nations before your people whom you have redeemed out of Egypt. Did you know he chose you? Did you know he chose you from all the nations of the world? You, you, your people Israel, did you make 
your own people forever, and you, Lord, became their God. Therefore now, Lord, let the thing that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house be established forever and do just what you said. Come on, now let's back up, let's back up. Did you see what happened? Does this sound like Abraham standing out looking in the night sky? David started out, his vision was getting the the ark out of the tent. That was the entirety of his vision. Let's build a nice house and get the ark out of the tent. It pleased God so much that he was not thinking about himself. That he took him and opened him up and said, no, I'm going to build you a house. And of your seed is going to be the eternal dynasty of the kingdom. And out of your loins is going to come the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is forever. And this is between me and you. And David said, oh God, who am I? But as he's sitting there on the floor, praying, maybe crying, he gets to the place where something's happening inside him. As he's thinking about these words, he's believing them. Come on, can you see it? He is, he's receiving them. This is beyond his lifetime. This is beyond the next hundred generations. Come on, he can't wrap his head around this, but he can wrap his spirit around it. And while he's sitting there praying, he gets to the place where he can look up and say, God, do it. You said you would do it. Do it. What's he saying? I believe it. I receive it. I'm embracing it. With your gentleness, you've made me great enough to receive this. Read the next verse. Let it be established that your name may be magnified forever. Every great thing the Lord does for you is to glorify him. Saying the Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, a God to Israel. Let the house of David, your servant, be established before you. Keep reading. For you, O oh my God, have told your servant that you will build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found in his heart. Oh, come on. You can see this. The word he received, the word of God. It opened his heart. He said to where I can pray this before you. That's how. I have found it in my heart to pray this and believe this in front of you. You have opened me up to where I can see it. He's sitting there on the floor with tears on his face and he's a prophet, isn't he? He's a prophet, he's a seer. And a lot of these Psalms that he wrote, he saw things. He saw the crucifixion. He saw the resurrection, didn't he? He saw it. He sang about it. How did all that get in him? Therefore, your servant has found in his heart to pray before you. And now, Lord, you are God. And you have promised this goodness unto your servant. Now, let it please you 
to bless the house of your servant that it may be before you forever. For you blessed, O Lord, and it shall be, or it is blessed. You blessed, and it is, you bless me, and I am blessed. You bless my seed, and I am blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed forever. 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 This is too big for a human mind of a few decades to lay hold of and comprehend. This is too big. And yet our spirits can open up and receive all this. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Has God done something for you? Has he been good to you? Stand up on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I know all of you feel, uh, have a similar story to me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not king of a nation. But he did exactly the same thing with me. There was a time not too many years ago, I was trailing along. And I, I, like I was there in the early morning light behind some dairy cows trying to get them to the barn. Dumb little country boy. No connections. No, no money. No, no future in the natural. And he has let me. He has let me see your faces and be friends and fellow laborers with so many of you. What about you? Come on, do you feel the same way? Where'd you come from? So many of us would have been dead so long ago from our sin and our junk. And if not dead, we'd have been fried. We'd have been nothing left of us to amount to anything. Do you worship the Lord with thankful hearts? Lift up your hands and say, oh, Father God. Oh, I worship you. I am so thankful. I am so grateful that you have chosen me and chosen us. Let us have a part. Let us have a place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now close your eyes. That's only the first part of it. As he continued to pray and give thanks, he saw into the future. He saw the generations unfolding after him. What has God called you to? I'm not talking about visions of grandeur for yourself and your name. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the vision of God is bigger than what we've thought. Somebody say, here am I, Lord. Lord. Use me. Here am I. I. Father, Father. Abba, Abba. Daddy, Daddy. I want to please you. I want to build your house. I want to advance your kingdom. I want to preach your gospel around the world. I want to build your house. Oh, come on, tell him. Keep your eyes closed. Worship him, worship him. Tell him. Tell him your heart. Tell him your heart. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.